Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 9th day of December, 2023. I guess you could call it a week that should live in infamy. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and we'll begin our look at the week that was this week by kind of turning it inside out and starting with the day, or at least the anniversary of the day that should live in infamy, and another invasion, this one not a sneak attack at all, it's right smack in your face, to celebrate that anniversary. I guess you could say that with traitors from within, like the Biden Fuhrer, who needs Emperor Hirohito? The story from this year's December 7th said, Over 12,000 illegal invaders have now come across the open, non-existent southern border in one single day. And that, too, is a new Biden Fuhrer record, the highest ever recorded, as the mass invasion catastrophe, as some are calling it, spirals wildly out of control. And by the way, as InfoWars often points out, these jaw-dropping figures still don't include known or unknown gotaways or other illegal entries via other U.S. borders or other ports of entry. In other words, folks, the communist Chinese MS-13 Hamas et al. invaders continue to literally have their way with a nation that's no longer even a real nation. By the way, this story, too, some of the invaders were interviewed at the southern border. One of them appropriately said, I love you, Biden. Thank you for everything. And that, folks, actually says it all. Anybody old enough to remember when treason used to be punishable in this country? From there, I guess it's apropos to continue with our inside-out look at the news this week and go with some stories that I suggest are indicators of exactly where we are. First, from Zero Hedge, U.S. math scores on an international exam have scored yet another all-time low. And this provides, says Tyler Durden's summary, the first comparison of global achievement since the pandemic radically changed education around the world. Well, the left has been working on that at home for decades now, and the evil fruit's been obvious for decades as well. According to data released on Tuesday, though, American 15-year-olds had a 13-point plunge, and it was from a really low level already, out of a 1,000 on the PISA, or Program for International Student Assessment Exam, given last year to 620,000 students in 81 countries worldwide, said Peggy Carr, Commissioner of the National Center for Education Statistics, in a statement to the WAPO, quote, these results are just another piece of evidence showing the crisis in mathematics achievement. And I need to put the word sick in after achievement, don't I? Only, she said, now we can see that it is a global concern. I guess the point is, if you want to kill people by the millions, you better dumb them down big time first, right? From a pitiful average of only 478 out of 1,000 back in 2018, oops, and I guess I'm dating myself, but back when I was in school, anything less than half on a test was an F. That doesn't mean fine. It stands for failure. Anyway, from an already pitiful score of less than 48%, U.S. math scores tumbled even further to 465 in 2022, which I guess is an even bigger F. And maybe, folks, they demonstrate why it is that so many people have been so dumbed down in the public cesspools, especially mathematically, they can't understand even what a 20-sigma outlier is, whether we're talking about election rigging or data that shows you're being poisoned by these Zyklon B injections, whether most Americans haven't figured that out yet or not. Many of them died before they did, of course. Here's the coup de grace in the story, though. The education secretary said that this relative ranking comes at an extremely tough time in education, but, quote, these results also show that we can't be satisfied with the status quo in education, unquote. No, folks, they won't be happy until the average dumbed-down American scores zero on anything related to math or logic. It's white supremacist, don't you know? Besides, men aren't good for anything other than having babies, right? This next item, I think, follows logically. In an update posted December 1st, 
the Federal Center for Death and Control warned that respiratory increases are on the rise, especially among young kids whose parents have been duped into giving them the Zycon B injection, among other attacks on their developing bodies from masks to mind control, besides just dumbing them down. Just maybe that's what happens when you destroy people's immune systems. I'm going to skip over some of the usual CDC propaganda here, folks. Suffice it to say that more and more people are suffering from respiratory issues, including pneumonia. And there's a major uptick among kids that up until they started getting Cyclone B anyway, really never had a problem with the booga booga flu to begin with. So let me reiterate a point that's been obvious for two full years, but now we're seeing it exactly as you would have expected come to fruition. As people are starting to drop dead from things that have been done to them by a disreputable and outright satanically evil, mass-murdering, genocidal cabal of criminal three-letter agencies, corporate public-private partners, and NGOs, both in the U.S. and internationally, they need to not only cover their tracks, but find lots and lots of new scary things to blame it on, anything other than what they've been doing to you. And guess what? They're not done yet. There's going to be more hair of the dog, and you'd better learn to recognize it now. From there, on we go to what your host has contended is the deliberate destruction of the U.S. military, and I guess this follows logically as well, courtesy of author and captain, U.S. Navy retired Brent Ramsey, via Real Clear Wire and also up on Zero Hedge. And it asks the question, is the Navy dead in the water? And Captain Ramsey begins by quoting the U.S. Navy's own website and their mission statement. Mission, the United States is a maritime nation, and the U.S. Navy protects America at sea. Well, maybe that's good, folks, because there sure as hell isn't an army or air force protecting it from the southern border, via either land or rivers. But the rest of the article makes it clear they're not even doing a very good job at that. There are many indicators, says the author, that the Navy is at increasing risk of mission failure. Number one, they've missed recruiting goals by thousands for two years in a row now. Guess why? Whether it's teaching politically correct BS and absolute insanity in place of things like actually performing their mission, or simply requiring sailors, Marines, and Navy pilots to take the Zyklon B poison injection against their will, there's a lot of reasons why anybody that doesn't fail basic math would say no to it. And I guess we shouldn't forget, would you want to have to kowtow to a commander-in-chief that can't do basic math or even know when he needs his diaper changed? Number two, due to international wars on multiple fronts, Ukraine, Israel, and of course, Taiwan right there on deck, the U.S. Navy's had an almost unprecedented eight carrier groups at sea at the same time. The normal number is three or four, but the trouble is most of those probably aren't even seaworthy for reasons that I just finished outlining. Number three, the Navy's high suicide rate over a lengthy period of time demonstrates a tragic failure of what used to be called leadership. Longer deployments, high OP tempo, and of course, the aforementioned injections and dumbing down. Number four, notable institutional leadership failures in multiple program areas with multiple high-profile operation failures. Well, they're now far too common to even enumerate, but there are a few examples here. Well-documented cases like the LCS and Zumwalt ship classes, the USS Ford classes cost overruns, lateness, multiple numbers of ships that are not fully operational, even after years of being in commission. The loss of the USS Bonham Richard, a multi-billion dollar capital ship that was lost due to negligence and allowed to burn at pierside. A $3 billion loss with no replacement. A vital attack submarine, the USS Connecticut, has been grounded and is out of commission for years for repairs. Similarly, the USS Gettysburg, four of seven cruisers selected for so-called modernization, will instead be decommissioned after the Navy spent billions on upgrades. And let's not forget the collisions of the USS McCain and USS Fitzgerald, 
with commercial ships. They're being called failures of leadership that led to the deaths of 17 sailors. I guess that's small potatoes compared to what Lloyd Austin's done now, isn't it? And other failures that continue for several more items. But the conclusion, says the author, is that all of these factors make it clear the Navy is in extremis. There are simply not enough ships to do the mission, nor enough manpower, especially if you poison them, folks, to man those ships optimally. Oops, did I say something that the Navy doesn't want to teach anymore? I guess you're no longer allowed to man anything in this, uh, well, whatever's Navy. This fuzzy's Navy? How about we try this nowadays? They just don't have enough trannies to tran those ships. Item, and I guess this helps make that point, but on an even bigger scale, the U.S. Navy, Air Force, and Marine Corps have grounded their entire fleet of the V-22 Osprey tilt rotor aircraft as of Wednesday evening in response to what was called a tragic accident the week prior where a tilt rotor aircraft crashed off the coast of Japan, resulting in the loss of eight lives. Some are calling the V-22 the Widowmaker at this point, and this time the military is saying that preliminary investigation information, yeah, sure, are you trusting them, folks? I know I don't at this point, indicates a potential material failure caused the mishap. But the underlying cause of that failure is unknown at this time. I wonder if a dead pilot with a heart attack slumping over the controls is a possibility. Well, if it is, you're never going to hear about that, and you know it. Certainly not from the Navy, officially, and certainly not from the waste stream. Anyway, however, we do have this. Within the last week, Navy Lieutenant Ted Macy, active duty officer in the Navy Medical Service Corps and a whistleblower, revealed Department of Defense data showing a significant rise, to put it mildly, in heart-related issues among military pilots after the mandated COVID-19 not vaccinations. As a matter of fact, heart issues are up 973%, call it an order of magnitude, since that act of treason by the U.S. military. From there, I guess this also seems appropriate. I've been following this story now for several days, and as you might expect, the Gateway Pundit is right on top of it. First, it was the U.S. House of Representatives, the Congress, which blocked America's representatives from having access to the Gateway Pundit. Now, says an update, it's the Pentagon and the Air Force. Representative Matt Gates was among those who said he frequents the site and acknowledged the censorship, saying, quote, the U.S. House of Representatives has blocked access for congressmen and congressional staff to the Gateway Pundit, and he intends to investigate the uh, censorship. They include lots of pictures of the website-blocked Achtung Verboten message with the seal of the U.S. House of Representatives in the upper left corner, which is fitting. One of the stories they obviously don't want the Congress critters to know about is the criminal activity of the fake president, They've been covering it for months, if not years. You know, Biden's secret dealings, emails. He said he didn't have any contact with Hunter's business dealings. Turns out he was on the take, and the big guy was getting his cut all along by various aliases, too, now all revealed. Here's just one of the stories they don't want you to hear about. They certainly don't want Congress to hear about it. And it was Senator Ted Cruz who basically said nobody pays millions of dollars to a crackhead. I think he means the junior Biden Fuhrer because Hunter doesn't provide any services. Well, other than bribe funneling. Said Senator Cruz, not only via the Gateway Pundit, but also Newsmax, they're probably already banned, too. The Biden crime family and the senile big guy have, quote, lied at every stage. Every stage, he said. His defense has been proven to be a lie. He said at the very outset of the campaign, he said he had never discussed overseas business with his son. That was a lie. We now know there were dozens of such conversations. He said he never met with his son's overseas business partner. That was a lie. We now have multiple pictures, multiple meetings, dinners in Washington, D.C., phone calls with those business associates. The Democrats said there's no direct evidence of money going to Joe Biden. That 
was a lie, and you can guess, folks, there's a whole lot of other reasons in here why the Gateway Pundit just needs to be banned, and anybody else that tells the truth likewise. Now, the trouble is, Senator Ted Cruz is actually there in that same building, so some of these Congress critters may end up actually hearing about it firsthand, whether you're allowed to or not. Oh, yeah, and after a list of other high crimes and misdemeanors, Ted Cruz says, quote, it's a cover-up directed by the most partisan Department of Justice we've ever seen, unquote, and that's arguably an understatement. Eventually, the criminality in the Oval Office may come out other ways, too. The House Ways and Means Committee has just voted to release 56 new pages of evidence showing that then-Vice President Joe Biden used multiple email aliases. Hey, we knew that, didn't we? And private addresses to communicate with his crackhead son's business associates and main financial architect, directly refuting all the public statements and lies by the fake president that he had no knowledge, no, no knowledge whatsoever of any of his son's business dealings. No, he was just a big guy. And there's this from the Gateway Pundit as well, although in truth this was picked up by a number of uh, actual news outlets. At a news conference, New York Post reporter Stephen Nelson asked the senile criminal big guy the following question. Quote, there's polling by the Associated Press that shows almost 70% of Americans, including 40% of Democrats, believe you acted either illegally or unethically in regards to your family's business interests. He said, can you explain to the Americans, to Americans amid this impeachment inquiry, which, by the way, is, at least that's what they're telling us, maybe going to happen, why you interacted with so many of your son and brother's foreign business associates, whereupon Biden snapped at the New York Post reporter and said, I'm not going to comment that I did not, and it's just a bunch of lies. You didn't interact with many of your business associates? I did not. They're lies. After which he stormed out of the room. Okay, well, shuffled angrily out of the room. And this time, surprisingly, he managed to not bump into a wall. I guess he was really pissed, folks. Before we change gears, though, here's another story, an outrage, in fact, that I saw first via TGP. And it hits pretty close to home. I used to live not too far from Jefferson County and actually flew into what was then called Jeffco Airport, one of the major Denver area relievers in the front range fairly frequently, is nowhere safe for children. Asked this story, actually originally up on the Western Journal. It wasn't long ago, it says, that parents could send their kids to school worried only that they might be dumbed down, but not anymore. Now transgender ideologues have infiltrated every aspect of society, especially the public indoctrination centers. And get this, in Colorado it says some school administrators and teachers are now being accused of intentionally subjecting vulnerable students to transgender ideology without the parents even knowing about it. The Daily Signal is also reporting this. During a cross-country trip back in June, see how long it took for this to come out, Jefferson County Public Schools, listen carefully here, assigned a fifth-grade girl to sleep in the same bed with a fifth-grade boy. Doesn't say exactly how much of his male equipment he still had and whether it had been completely neutered yet or not, but he identified as transgendered, and they didn't bother to notify either the girl or her parents. According to a demand letter sent to the system and to school superintendent Tracy Dorland by the Alliance Defending Freedom. The ADF is representing the 11-year-old girl's parents, Joe and Serena Wales, who want the school to answer for those policies, according to the Daily Signal. The story says that the two kids, identified only by initials, were assigned to the same bed, and sometime during the evening, the boy told the girls that he identified as a girl. The story doesn't tell us whether or not he proved it, but the girl, identified only as D.W., we know her last name, though, just wasn't having it. She was afraid to share a bed with a boy, so she sneaked into the bathroom and called her mother. 
and then went down and met her in the lobby. The girl was terrified, said her mom, and I was really upset, she told the Daily Signal. One, I was really upset that she was put in this situation at age 11. I don't think it's fair to put kids in that kind of a situation. And two, we, meaning the parents, weren't even given the information that this was a possibility before the trip. The whole time they're telling us, girls on one floor, boys on another. And they're not going to be in each other's rooms unless it's pre-approved. Well, folks, I guess it turns out this was. By the way, what does the school district claim? Well, they were just concerned about KEM's privacy and feelings. I guess I could say, screw the real girl's feelings, but ooh, that might hit way too close to home. And the teachers weren't even allowed to tell anyone that KEM was a self-professed transgender, even though the boy later voluntarily chose to share that information. Kind of makes you wonder what else he might have shared, too. But wait a minute. Let's be honest here. It's what the school district is trying to share that's a hell of a lot worse by any measure. And how many times and how many different areas of human endeavor do we have to see that when something is dangerous, or especially if it's particularly outright deadly, Big Brother, in any of his guises or any of his minions or public-private partners, from school districts to corporate board members, will hide it from you, lie about it, cover it up, and if necessary, and you figure it out, come after you with their goon squads, their Gestapo, and their government guns, the kinds that you're not allowed to have anymore. Because, well, you know why now, don't you? Next, let's turn to one of the many reasons why the founders wisely decided that the Second Amendment should be in the Constitution, because the God-given right to keep and bear arms and defend ourselves from the kind of people that are now going apeshit in America deserves to have been protected. Today's gun-free killing zone reminder, three people are dead, one critically injured after a gunman, the kind that gun controls allow to roam unimpeded, opened fire at the University of Nevada's campus in Las Vegas, said police on Wednesday evening. Three sources told NBC News, the Daily Mail picked it up too, that the gunman, who's now dead, because at least a cop eventually showed up and had a gun, was a man in his 60s, but his connection, if any, to the university, they say, is unclear. The Las Vegas sheriff praised the heroic officer who finally stopped the gunman, but said, quote, they have no idea on a motive. Well, not so fast there. We might have a bit of input on that in just a second. And this is telling, even if uh, a little bit eyebrow-raising, they were unable to specify what weapon he used. <laughs> that almost sounds like they didn't have a press release ready. And this, say the anti-gunners, follows on the heels of other mass shootings, like in the leftist communist Mecca of Austin, Texas. After the Biden Fuhrer did his expected grave dance and read from the teleprompter, the usual anti-constitutional BS, the Gateway Pundit came out with a bit more on the actual story, first in Las Vegas. Anthony Polito, they said, age 67, has now been identified as a shooter who killed three staff members at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Detectives reported he was killed in a police shootout after he opened fire on them. And authorities reported that Polito was a professor, right there, you know, he was probably far left, in North Carolina and in Georgia, and applied to be one at UNLV, but was not hired. Shortly after he was identified, the New York Post, though, discovered Polito's website, on which he claims to have decoded the Zodiac Killer's letters and had a section dedicated to the greatest minds of the 20th century, among which he included none other than George Soros. <laughs> and there's quite a few other atheists and leftists in that list as well. This, though, you actually may be allowed to hear. Another section of his site was entitled Powerful Organizations Bent on World Domination. And I guess even the left might recognize a few of these. The list included elitists and families like the Illuminati, Freemasons, the Bohemian Grove, the Rothschilds, Bilderbergers, and dozens of others. 
On into Austin, because with the exception of leftist hellholes like Austin, Houston, San Antonio, and Dallas, Texans have a reputation for understanding the value of keeping and bearing arms. We've seen more than a few wannabe mass shooters thwarted by good old boys with guns down there. And so even in Austin, you might expect that a shooting spree wouldn't be allowed to go on all day. Well, unless there's a reason. Citizens of Austin, Texas, says Infowars.com, whose founder Alex Jones is no stranger to the right to keep and bear arms, were not properly informed, says this piece, about a mass shooting taking place all around them on Tuesday, according to online complaints. 34-year-old Shane James was the suspect arrested Thursday night by Austin PD after he killed six people and injured three others, including two cops, in separate incidents that took place throughout the large city. But... Austin Second Amendment activist, podcast host, and gun shop owner Michael Cargill posted a timeline of the events on X on Wednesday, noting that the guy was, quote, able to go on an all-day shooting spree from shooting police officers to shooting a cyclist on the road. He reportedly killed both of his parents in San Antonio before heading to an Austin high school, where else, and shooting and injuring first a school officer. Then over an hour after that shooting, James was said to have killed a man and woman in their home. He then took a vehicle, shot and wounded a cyclist pedaling down a busy street, and tried entering another nearby home, where police eventually responded to a burglary and found James in the backyard with two more dead bodies. The story posts a link of all the locations involved in various shootings, and Cargill blamed the, quote, lack of transparency from AISD police for the fact that the situation continued as long as it did. And several locals have now vented their frustrations online about the complete lack of public warning. Said one of them, just what's the point of text message alerts if they aren't being used for these type of situations? That's certainly a good question, and another individual just may have answered it if it's not becoming increasingly obvious. No one's coming to save you, he said. You'd better have the means and knowledge to defend yourself and your family, plus, at the very least, be able to stop the bleeding. Since people were killed before police arrived, and uh, those that were killed obviously didn't even know what was coming, there should be a message here. The cynics among us folks might even suggest, wouldn't it have been awful if an armed citizen had actually stopped this thing before police in the leftist Mecca of Austin had to step in and do it for them? And some of them killed as well? Yeah, that would send a message that you really aren't going to be allowed to hear. Armed citizens have stopped wannabe mass murders and gun-free killing zones that turned out not to be gun-free any number of times of late, folks. And, uh, yeah, the regime really wants to clamp a lid on all of those. Well, in the time remaining, let's cover a bit more tyranny, if we can. The Biden regime threatened to deploy U.S. troops, said another piece from InfoWars, into direct conflict with Russia, 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 if Congress refuses to cave in and approve their hundred-plus billion, for starters, request for more, more, more funding for the World War III front in Ukraine, in a desperate plea to Congress for more funding before Christmas. Yeah, you got to give the big guy a big Christmas present. Biden baselessly claimed that Russian President Vladimir Putin plans to invade NATO once he's defeated Ukraine. And wait a minute, that was never supposed to happen, wasn't it? If we gave him, oh, hundreds of billions of bucks and all of our defensive armament to use somewhere else, anywhere else other than the southern border? Said the Fuhrer, if Biden takes Ukraine, he won't stop there. Oops, folks, was that a Freudian slip? Yeah, if Russia, Russia, Russia takes Ukraine, he won't stop there. 
If Putin attacks a NATO ally, if he keeps going, then he attacks a NATO ally. We've committed as a NATO member to defend every inch of NATO territory, and we'll have something we don't seek. Well, who's he kidding? Yeah, we know exactly what they're seeking. And that we don't have today, he continued to lie, American troops fighting Russian troops. You could almost see him slobber right onto his pampers. He also claimed that Republicans were holding the financial aid that he so desperately wants to get that big guy cut from hostage in what he called a partisan bid to get more U.S. border funding. How dare people think that the border in this country needs to be defended? There are bribes at stake here. Quote, extreme Republicans, he said, are playing chicken with our national security. <laughs> holding Ukraine's funding hostage to their extreme partisan border policies. I mean, really, who cares if you guys get invaded and terrorized and have your homes blown up? We were already intending to take it all away from you anyway. But we'll go to break with at least a bit of good news. For now, Congress seems to have told him to go pound salt. And we'll be right back. Welcome back now to the second segment of the show for this evening. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and having gone inside out in the first one, we'll back up to the beginning of the week and talk about some of the most important stories in recent memory, starting down under. In spite of the efforts by various tyrannies to tamp it down, comes out of once free, now tyrannical New Zealand, where at the end of last week, a brave whistleblower and database administrator that had the goods on their Zyklon B injection program came out and talked about it. And Steve Kirsch was among those that helped this revelation to go viral. As a matter of fact, it was so big, they called it the mother of all revelations. And if you haven't heard, it turns out that between one in five and maybe one in four of everybody who took the Zyklon B poison poke death by lethal self-injection in New Zealand is dead now. So can you guess what they've already done to him? Sunday morning, the database administrator was arrested by the criminally evil state of New Zealand and its authorities for daring to reveal information about how many of you peons out there in New Zealand are being killed. According to the public-private partner media outlets there, quote, a health worker has been arrested and charged after allegedly misusing and disclosing vaccination data while spreading misinformation about COVID-19. He appeared in one of their excuses for a court on Monday morning. Char with, are you sitting down, accessing a computer system for dishonest purposes. How dare you tell the victims what we intend to do to them? And the word is out that New Zealand's Gestapo is going to go after every single person that had anything even remotely to do with the truth being allowed to slip out. From the woman that did the interview to the researchers and associated whistleblowers that backed up the man's story to probably anybody that watched it. And as for you, my fine lady... I can't attend you here and now as I'd like, but just try to stay up in my way. Just try. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. <laughs> 
You know, I really can't decide if she sounds more like Hitler or New Zealand's own evil version, Jacinda Ardern. But I guess there's no accent. And since this is so important, and since, quite frankly, we may never see or hear from this guy again if they do exactly to him what they did to so many other whistleblowers around the globe, let's hear what he had to say. The man's name, by the way, has finally been released, and he should be a hero worldwide. Barry Young had this to say in an interview with what was one of New Zealand's, once upon a time anyway, top journalists. Emphasis on the actual journalist part. Here are just a few of the key excerpts. The whole thing is, at least for now, available online and lasts well over an hour. I was involved with building a project uh, helped with um, implementing a, a, a vaccine payment system for our providers. It's called um, a pay-per-dose system. So it means that every time someone gets vaccinated, they get, um, they get a payment for it as a provider. I helped build it. I implemented it. And when I was looking at the data, which is part of my job, I noticed some discrepancies with the dates um, of death, people getting, people dying within a week of being vaccinated. So what did you notice when you first started to look at this data as you were building it? Well, as soon as the system went live, we noticed that um, people were dying almost straight away after being injected. So that sort of prompted my curiosity a bit. And um, so I, I dug a little deeper. And I am a scientist by nature. I, I love science. It's my all time favorite. I've got a, I've got a master's degree in science. Uh, nobody potentially nobody knows this data. Nobody but me in New Zealand has seen this data. Now I'm giving it to the world. Explain why. Explain that. Because it's a, it's a payment system and I'm the database administrator for it. I'm the only one. Because New Zealand is a small country, you can get away with one database administrator to do this. And that's a very key point. Notice we haven't seen exactly the same kind of revelations from any other country on the planet. The closest was Britain, where some of the data was released early on, and it was almost as damning. But this fellow in New Zealand was essentially the only fellow there who could see the whole picture and recognize just exactly how evil it was. And here's the key. Unlike every other person with even remotely this kind of access, he didn't keep his mouth shut and try to hide it. So I'm in a unique position in the world, and because New Zealand is a tier one country with really good IT, um, I was able to manage and build the system and as be the only database administrator needed to look after it. In other countries like America or Britain, um, you'd need a whole team of people. So it would be very difficult for one person to get access to all of this information. But in New Zealand, because of the size and because it's got really good IT, I happen to be the, the one. And by the way, folks, if you look at his death charts that are illustrated by black lines and they show way back in the history of the country just how many of those black lines there were representing major clusters of deaths, all-cause mortality in the country, well, it's downright staggering. And it should be. This is a level of evil that I need to say it again. Most people in the entire world simply can't contemplate could even be real. And it is. But if you thought killing a few millions, well, tens of millions, maybe billions, ultimately it'll be hundreds of millions, if not more, with the Zyklon B and related bioweapons wasn't bad enough, 
Well, ponder what they intend to do with non-existent man-made carbon crapola climate change, carbon dioxide bad science, intended to kill, no question about it, not only billions, but destroy Western civilization in the process. Well, except for those that'll still have their jets and their underground nuclear shelters and their little sex slaves to abuse. They're meeting in another world tyranny conclave right now called COP28. Where else? In the desert, because that's what they want to turn the planet into. It just won't be quite as warm as where they're at. And that's not at least kind of ironic. I'm sure if you flip on the waste-stream media, you'll be deluged with crap from COP28. And how important it is that you trade away all of your essential liberty for a little temporary security. And emphasis on the word very little. Let's go right to the mouth of the beast for their claims. The United Nations Climate Change site says COP28 refers to the UN Climate Change Conference taking place in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, from November 30th through December 12th of this year. And they take place every year. And get this, they're the world's only multilateral decision-making forum on non-existent man-made global warming, although they don't call it that. It's just climate change if your goal is to destroy everything that once represented civilization. Anyway, they say they have almost complete membership of every country in the world. And for those that don't want to join, well, they have ways of making you. To put it simply, they say, and that means for idiots, the kind that'll get on their jets and go there, the COP is where the world comes together to agree on ways to address the um, non-existent man-made global warming climate crisis, such as limiting global temperature rise to one and a half degrees Celsius. There'll come a time in the not-too-distant future, your host suspects strongly, when people would pray for anything approaching an increase in global warmth, helping vulnerable communities, you know, the kind that buy into this BS, adapt to the effects of climate change or the effects of adapting to the effects of what they're pushing and achieving net zero emissions by 2050. Best way to do that, and this is key to the plan, they won't tell you, though, kill billions of people. Here's a story out of Dubai that should be the number one story on the COP28 BS conference worldwide, but you know won't be, even though CNN at least covered it, although with the usual and expected spin. It seems that the oil executive who's heading up the COP28 climate summit in Dubai didn't know to keep to the script. He blew things wide open by coming out with even a bit of truth. Sultan al-Jabber, says CNN, the oil exec, sent shockwaves through the gathering by claiming in the days just before the UN-backed BS talks that there is, quote, no science. That, he said, points to the need for phasing out fossil fuels to keep global warming under a certain threshold. Comments that al-Jabber said were, misinterpreted. <laughs> he held a surprise news conference on Monday where he fiercely defended his commitment to climate science. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Grossly misnamed, as that term may be, after an increasing number of scientists and advocates expressed alarm that he would dare to say the truth right out loud, and they expressed their concern for the direction of the talks. If the truth comes out, how the hell are we going to get people to destroy themselves and their children's lives and freeze to death if they don't starve first? Now here, folks, is where we've got to pause and start injecting a lot more truth than CNN wants you to hear. For example, the InfoWars headline, I like better than theirs, it says the globalist plan to starve 7 billion people to death blows up in King Charles. He is the wannabe Antichrist, don't you know? Charles's face as the president of COP28 turns against the New World Order. 
Al Jaber allowed the truth to slip out during a climate change event on November 21st. That's a while back, isn't it? But it came to light over the weekend, Sunday, in a story published by the London Guardian and in video, says CNN, that they have reviewed. Al Jaber was asked a question by Mary Robinson, former president of Ireland and current chair of a group of globalist leaders, sick, if he would lead on phasing out fossil fuels. In his response, Al Jaber said this, quote, There is no science out there or no scenario out there that says the phase out of fossil fuels is what's going to achieve 1.5. And you know what, folks? After a truth bomb like that, the word duh just doesn't quite cut it. He said he'd expected to come to the conference expecting, quote, a sober and mature conversation. Well, there's a rude awakening, right? And he wasn't, quote, signing up to any discussion that is alarmist, unquote. And although the one-and-a-half-degree idiotic goal was his, quote, North Star, and a phase down and phase out of fossil fuels was inevitable, he said, we still, he added, need to be real, serious, and pragmatic about it. And, says CNN, in the increasingly fractious series of responses to Robinson attempting to push him on the point, Al Jabber asked her, get this, quote, Please, help me, show me a roadmap for a phase-out of fossil fuels that will allow for sustainable socioeconomic development unless you want to take the world back into caves, unquote. They got to silence this guy, folks. Doesn't he know? You just can't ask questions like that. Oh, and there's one more thing. I had to see this in print several times before I realized just how asinine the name of this panel event was. You ready? It was called She Changes Climate. How's that for revealing their uh, ultimate religiosity? And with that out there on the table, I do think this brief headline that appeared Saturday on Zero Hedge and a few other places is, uh, well, if nothing else, it demonstrates that the creator of the universe, God Almighty, Yahuwah, has quite a sense of humor. Writes Tyler Durden, while world leaders spoke at their so-called global warming conference in Dubai, located in the heart of the Arabian Desert, discussing the usual banning gas stoves, cow farts, and petrol-powered vehicles, a powerful snowstorm grounded all flights at the Munich airport in Germany and, for the most part, blanketed most of Europe like it hasn't seen in well over a decade. Quote, private jets in Munich on the way to Dubai's global warming conference were literally frozen on the runway, which has turned into a glacier, said Paul Mao, meteorologist and former NOAA chief scientist. Other stories based on flight radar showed that nearly 600 flights in and out of MUC were canceled over the weekend. This was the biggest Munich December snowstorm on record. And furthermore, concludes the piece, if the virtue-signaling elites masquerading as world leaders actually believed the BS they were peddling, they wouldn't have flown their private jets to the desert to talk about it. I mean, really, why not show the world how urgent it is that we deal with global warming by jetting into Greenland? Well, back as briefly, at least as we can manage, to the propaganda. The future of fossil fuels, says the criminally negligent network and their minions, is one of the most controversial, gee, do you think, issues that countries are grappling with at the COP28 climate summit. While some nations are pushing for a phase-out, others are calling for the weaker language of a phase-down. And isn't this funny, folks? No one dare say the whole thing is blithering idiocy and intended to kill the billions that they are still on track to do. The very fact that you will not hear about the Dalton minimum and the 206-year solar cycle, much less non-man-made solar-induced global cooling, tells you there is nothing even remotely associated with real science or real journalism or even scientific integrity anywhere close to COP28. 
Here is an example of exactly the kind of crapola I'm talking about, says CNN. Scientific reports, yeah, the kind that are bought and paid for, there's a word for it, have shown that fossil fuels must be rapidly slashed to keep global warming below 1.5 degrees Celsius. The goal of the worldwide Harry Carey Paris Climate Agreement. But remember, folks, China, for example, isn't about to sign up to slash their own risks. And the threshold at which scientists and other whores warn that it will be difficult for humans and ecosystems to adapt. Well, just wait, folks, until they see what history and science, the real kind, have shown cold looks like. The Bonder Minimum, for example. And after that, the Dalton Minimum, just over 200 years ago, that demonstrate cold is a hell of a lot harder for civilizations to adjust to than a little extra heat. The kind, as it turns out, that the entire world has been blessed with for most of our lives and is now on tap to end, if you understand what's going on with a long-term solar cycle that any real climate scientist would either know about or they're a liar and the truth is not in them. Here's another one of those candidates, not only for idiotic quote of the week or the month or the year, but perhaps of all time. It certainly comes from one of the primary sources of idiocy writ really large. Talking about John Kerry, the so-called climate czar, who was where else? At COP28 in the desert with the other world destroyers pontificating about how it is that we get to fly our jets anywhere we want and we can spew carbon like there's no tomorrow, as if it really matters and we didn't know that. But you peons... We've got plans for you. And listen to the absolute. No, you just got to hear this. There shouldn't be any more coal-fired power plants permitted anywhere in the world. That's how you can do something for health. And the reality is that we're not doing it. So, um, you know, the measure here is is really uh, sounding the alarm bell. I find myself getting more and more militant because I do not understand how adults who are in position of responsibility can be avoiding responsibility for taking away those things that are killing people on a daily basis. Now, there's an irony here, and in fact, I didn't emphasize it. You can hear it at the very end of the quote I just played. I actually tried to edit it out before I saw another story saying, no, that's what it was. That's why it was so loud. But here's the point, folks. The headline from the Gateway Pundit says, Loud fart erupts during Kerry's windy speech, and it overshadowed his audible call to reduce personal methane contributions. Okay, any potty humor notwithstanding, I guess the real point is everything at this conference is nothing but flatulence, but sadly, flatulence doesn't kill people. What they intend to do will. What they are doing, let me put it that way, will. And it's intended to. But in spite of the flatulence and utter idiocy, but maybe I do repeat myself there, what really stands out about this quote from John Kerry is uh, what I've often called the Clintonian truth that's buried within it, if you understand what you're listening for. And no, I'm not talking about what comes out of his other rear end. Now, listen to the connection he's going to draw here, and it's actually correct, even if it's buried in one of the biggest lies you'll ever hear. And it has to do with killing you, not by destroying the CO2 in the atmosphere and doubling down on a famine, even as the sun is cooling things off and we're already headed in that direction and people are going to freeze to death besides. No, it has to do with health. And this comes, remember, from the very same people, the totalitarian genocidal world controllers that wanted you and as many millions or billions as they could get to go along with it to die by lethal injection. And it sounds like he just doesn't understand why you aren't willing to let them kill you. I find myself getting more and more militant because I do not understand how adults who are in position of responsibility 
can be avoiding responsibility for taking away those things that are killing people on a daily basis. And the reality is that the climate crisis and the health crisis are one and the same. They are, folks. And here I truly have to be very blunt. They are both utter bullshit. It's the man-made reaction to the climate crisis that is intended and will, if you let it, kill you, just as it is the man-made reaction to the man-made two-part bioweapon. Kudos to Dr. Mengele, a.k.a. Tony the Terrorist. First the spike protein, then the mRNA injection that turns people into additional spike protein factories and destroys their immune system. So guess what? They can hit you with more of the hair of the dog next time around. For once in his reprobate fart from both ends career, John Kerry is actually telling you the bold, bald truth. The climate crisis and the health crisis are one and the same. They absolutely are genocidal, world-ending terror, paid for by your tax dollars at work. Here's a story, though, that we've just got to get in today. Not that it's surprising, not that we couldn't see it coming. This comes from the Epic Times, Savannah Holsley Pointer, and it says, Are you sitting down for this one? The disappearance of videotapes of all the witness interviews conducted by the socialist, communist, far-left, fascist, you name it, Democrat-led House Select Committee on the January 6th Fed surrection, although they didn't call it that, of course, has alarmed the chairman of the House panel that replaced it. Representative Barry Loudermilk of Georgia, who chairs the House Administration Oversight Subcommittee, is currently investigating the so-called investigators about the security lapses that were deliberate, intended, and actually, folks, came off exactly as planned, has ramifications for upcoming criminal trials, and he's questioning the disappearance of that video evidence. Said Loudermilk to Just the News, all of the videotapes of the depositions are gone, he said Thursday night. We found out about this early in the investigation when I received a call from someone who was looking for some information off of one of those videotapes, and we started searching. And we had none, Representative Loudermilk explained. I wrote a letter to Benny Thompson asking for them, and he confirmed that they didn't preserve those tapes. He didn't feel that they had to, unquote. And that, folks, really does speak volumes. The fact that House rules require the videotapes to be preserved doesn't seem to carry any more weight than the Constitution does in that same whoring body. But let's be honest, folks. Since when has obstruction of justice and destruction of evidence, at least if you're a Democrat, been even the remotest of impediments to the deep state? Let's start to wrap things up this evening with a sequence I have to call a bunch of those kind of news stories. For example, here's one of the stories that we'll start off with just because there are so many of them. From the Center for Death and Control, they have decided to once again change the meaning of words and lie about additional things on their forms. The CDC says Steve Watson via Modernity News has wiped references to pregnant women or even pregnant woman in anything associated with vaccine guidance. Yep, take the poison poke or else. And they've replaced those meaningful words with PC gender neutral terms like pregnant people or pregnant parrot. I'm sorry, that's pregnant parent, but I guess if you buy this, well, wait just a darn minute. I don't want to be disparaging parrots because I have one of those, and I'm absolutely sure he knows the difference between men and women. Anyway, they want to become gender neutral, and let's be honest again here, woke idiotic. Would it surprise you to know they also got rid of terms like he, she, and mother, 
Unfortunately, when it comes to moves by Big Brother intended to deceive or kill or both, we're just getting started. The U.S. military, remember when they used to actually defend the borders of the United States? Yeah, I know, not in most of our lifetimes. But in any case, the Department of Defense, sick, has now revised their figures related to, well, the effects of these Cyclone B injections that they tried to give to every soldier, sailor, and Marine. Heart inflammation cases, in other words, following COVID-19, not vaccination. This change, says Zero Hedge's coverage, marks yet another instance in the military's sick history and ongoing efforts to navigate what they call the complex landscape of vaccine side effects. We have to admit that we didn't deliberately try to destroy our own military, and we certainly don't want you to know how bad the effects are, even though communist China and all the other real adversaries probably do. Ashish Vazirani, the acting undersecretary of defense. How's that for a mouthful and a misnomer? For personnel and readiness. What a crock. Cited a report dated October 11, which says that the number of myocarditis and pericarditis cases that they are admitting to anyway, post-vaccination among military personnel, is now down. It's only 80 or 90, which is a sharp contrast to the previous admitted count of cases, 120 within just three weeks of vaccination. A number that also, notes the report, excluded additional cases that occurred beyond that less than one month time frame. In other words, any long-term effects that kill soldiers, sailors, Marines, and anybody else? Well, we're not going to tell you about it. We're certainly not going to tell them about it. And guess why we're having problems meeting recruitment goals? The Pentagon's silence, says Zero Hedge in response to inquiries, adds yet another layer of mystery to this sudden recalibration. No, it doesn't. We know blankety-blank and well what it's about and what they're trying to lie about. By the way, folks, this story doesn't even talk about the cancers, the uh, turbo cancers, or some of them are now being called, that are up by almost a full order of magnitude since this attempt to destroy the U.S. military by lethal injection. By the way, says the piece, this revision emerges as the latest in a series of actions perceived by those that have eyes as downplaying the vaccine's deadly side effects. For example, in 2021, amidst lots of data indicating diminishing vaccine efficacy, to put it mildly, the military continued to mandate the Zyklon B for all members, regardless of whether they had recovered from COVID-19 naturally and actually had real antibodies, or whether the emerging evidence suggested the superiority, as does science folks for the last hundred years, of natural immunity over so-called vaccination, even if it's not really vaccination at all. The mandate was only recently lifted after the Supreme Court finally took half-hearted action under new legislation that the Biden Fuhrer reluctantly put his ex beside. Notably, myocarditis, pericarditis, and other forms of heart inflammation were all recognized as among the adverse side effects shortly after the rollout of the not vaccine. Notably, says the piece, 2021 saw a significant rise, you could say that, in myocarditis cases within the military, which was openly acknowledged, finally, over the summer. In a letter to Senator Ron Johnson, a military spokeswriter claimed it's just too hard to establish causality for these deaths, especially folks if they don't want to allow you to see the numbers. But we can certainly see the pattern.